Hi, it's Brandon Freed, Executive Director of the Air Forwarders Association, coming to you from Washington, D.C. I have a very special guest today, Bill Bosch, who's the former president of American Airlines Cargo and a very accomplished and knowledgeable industry veteran. Bill, thanks for joining us today. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Thank you, Brandon. Fantastic. Well, Bill, you have as I said, an extensive background in this business. Uh, you, you got started early on, and, and you've been with some names of old, but uh, some some big, well-established companies. I remember you telling me that you had been with Seaboard World Airways. You were with Flying Tigers. I think you were with uh, uh, Pan Am as well. Uh, and, and then, of course, I, I, I think you were with Emory, and of of course, uh, American Airlines. It's quite an extensive career. And then DHL, as you know, also. Let's start off with your uh, experience with American Airlines Cargo, because that's where I remember you at the most. And uh, uh, and and basically, uh, being a uh, former forwarder myself, I remember the the name Bill Bosch being synonymous with American Airlines Cargo for quite some time. Um, when you came to American Airlines, were they still flying the freighters, or had that era ended? They got rid of the freighters, uh, you know, basically uh, 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 because they were expanding internationally quite rapidly and buying wide-bodied airplanes. And as you know, those wide-bodied airplanes carried a lot of cargo, and in fact, American's wide-body fleet, at one point, it was like running 50 747 freighters a day uh, with the volume uh, that we had in those bellies. So you didn't miss the freighters. You, you, you thought that, uh, that the wide bodies that were on, online would suffice as, as a freighter fleet for the airline? Right, uh, right. Is the, the whole purpose of any business is to make money. Uh, so therefore, the more cargo I put in the bellies of the passenger airplanes is the more profitable American Airlines was. You didn't have the overhead to pay for of operating those freighters. Right, uh, right. And as you know, is the most profitable thing you put on an airplane is the last thing. Uh, and we figured out 17 pounds of cargo equaled the profit of one passenger. So back then, Bill, when you first got uh, over to American, what were the you know FedExes and UPSs doing at that point? Had they been well established in, on, on the air side of the business? Yeah, then they started to, to, to become well, well established. Uh, I ran into them first when I was with Emory. Uh, as you know, there was a big fight between Emory and FedEx uh, and FedEx at that point. Uh, then FedEx got out of the Falcons and got into the uh, 727s, and then they grew from there after uh, then after some of the postal regulation laws were changed. So did you ever envision those companies growing to the size that they are today? Uh, and in fact, as you know, Brad, and I was one of the ones who basically said those companies will, in fact, take over the take over the market because of the door-to-door um, uh, services which they, which they gave. Obviously, shipper demands have changed over the, the, the past few years. 
How have you seen that evolution? I mean, t- t- from when you started American, or even when you started back in the old days at Seaboard and Flying Tigers, how have things changed from a shipper's perspective? Well, then basically, and uh, the cargo industry is an industry that is in constant redefinition. Um, um, it has grown uh, from, you know, from putting a couple of packages on airplanes uh, into a total industry. When we went from the narrow bodies to the wide bodies, then we went into the container business. Uh, and then from there, you had FedEx come in and make, and make things very, very simple. Uh, so even a small company can compete with a big company because... You could get spare parts there overnight, so you didn't have to have major spare parts distribution facilities all over the world. Uh, So that basically helped the the growth. Is The one thing that the air cargo business didn't have is the air cargo business did not have control of the market. Uh, Basically, it had to depend on the commercial shippers. Now, Amazon has gone another step because Amazon has both control of the logistics as well as control of the product. They, they just uh, bought their first aircraft last week, correct? Well, as you know, they've been flying airplanes and they started with AMCI charters, but then they went to CMI charters, uh, and they have a couple of airplanes on order, um, and that was being kept under wraps pretty carefully, uh, but last week, uh, but last week, because of filings which they had to do, uh, Boeing had to release that they bought their first airplane, yes. Bill, let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the, world, in, the, in the room, and that's this covid Pandemic, obviously, it's it's really changed things. Um, and, and, and you know, we're we're seeing now that the passenger airlines, uh, many of whom had been grounded, or, or much of their fleets have been grounded worldwide, not only here in the United States. And it seems to me they've come to the rescue. They've actually started to fly their uh, passenger planes with boxes in the seats. Some of the airlines have actually taken seats out, and they've been flying uh, 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 boxes. Is, is, is that a significant gener- revenue generator for these airlines that are not flying the, the passengers now? Will that save them? Is it the economic lifeboat? It is a revenue generator, but, but as you know, uh, then the infrastructure costs um, on these mega carriers are so large, um, carrying cargo um, isn't on a passenger airplane um, isn't going to really uh, uh, make much of a profit. Um, and the market, as you know, uh, is limited. So you know what I'm, I'm wondering about, Bill? I know, and you've been right in the catbird seat there, traditionally the cargo divisions of a lot of these passenger airlines have not had prominence. Uh, very few have seats on the board of directors. And I'm wondering now that, you know, air cargo 
has uh, come to the rescue somewhat for the for these airlines. Whether they're going to gain prominence at the board table when we get back to normal again, what do you think? Do you think that these airlines are going to look at cargo differently? No, uh, I don't. I, I think that the foreign carriers look at cargo much differently from the U.S. carriers. Uh, but the U.S. carriers, uh, the mega carriers, are basically passenger-oriented. And they will continue to look at cargo as an incremental cost. So, so that's interesting you bring that up, because in your, in your experience, how do the foreign carriers look at cargo differently than the U.S. carriers? Well, the, then the foreign carriers, as you know, trade is extremely, trade is extremely important. Uh, therefore, these carriers um, uh, had freighters, put on freighters, um, in order to basically try to control as much of the trade flow as they could. Um, so the thinking was quite different. And that was not necessarily the thinking here in the United States. Right, right. In the United States, don't forget, we do not have really any scheduled all-cargo airlines anymore, except for one, Learjet. <clears throat> but basically, the integrators have taken over that market completely. Got it. Right. And, and, and the U.S. carriers, the U.S. passenger carriers got out of the freighter business with the last one, I believe, with the exception of Alaska, because they're flying some freighters up in, in Alaska. But I guess Northwest was the last one to, to, to fly freighters uh, in the United States, right? Right. Alaska, okay. is, Alaska is still flying a few. Yeah. But they're small planes, and they're right. narrow by. Bill, you and I have been at this for a number of years now. Um, obviously, we've been through uh, wars, recession, trade wars, uh, of course, terrorism. Uh, but this pandemic feels different. Does it feel different uh, to you as well? Well, and of course, it is unprecedented. Then uh, basically, no one saw it coming um, in the past. Um, our economic people, et cetera, uh, always used to be able to forecast uh, slowness in the market, growth in the market, et cetera. Uh, for something to come on within a couple of days' notice to shut down your entire system for months when your entire system was basically grown in order to have the highest market share, therefore your fixed cost um, could, you know, just absolutely um, were catastrophic. And, uh, you know, and even if you stop flying, you still have extremely high fixed costs. Exactly. Still, so it's, it's like 9-11 in that it was sudden, the onslaught was sudden, but 9-11 only lasts for a few weeks, right? We're going into what, almost the sixth month of this right now, right? Right, and we're going into the six months, and people really aren't forecasting anything returning to near normal for the next two years. Yeah, and despite the fact, I mean, we're starting to see more passengers go through the TSA checkpoint, but you're right. I mean, we're still down at least two-thirds 
in terms of passenger volume. And of course, as you know, Bill, passengers pretty much dictate how the airlines are going to operate. Would you agree? Well, then it's not just the passenger. It is the mix of the passenger, Brandon. Um, is the business travel is down considerably, which basically the high yield business. Um, and that business, uh, uh, basically companies are telling their people not to travel. And, and as you're, you are so right, Bill, absolutely. It's it, because usually it's the business traveler that provides the revenue backbone, right? That is right. And that, that was the yield difference. Uh, and then you have the vacation travelers not traveling, uh, basically because uh, everyone is afraid to go anywhere. Uh, uh, so, so basically, then the airlines are doing everything possible to show people it is safe to be on airplanes. Yeah. So, Bill, um, maybe a vaccine is coming. Obviously, the White House says that one might be uh, uh, soon. Uh, we hear from uh, Dr. Fauci that one might be soon. When this vaccine comes out, uh, it's probably going to be a monumentally large logistics task to get it into the hands or uh, uh, into uh, all the medical facilities and, and obviously the population globally. I'm wondering, are, are we ready for it as, as logisticians, as people who are in the business of moving shipments around? Do you think that the U.S. and, and, and countries in general and the air cargo uh, uh, systems are sufficiently geared to handle this type of a distribution. And by the way, and before before you answer, take care of the perishable requirements, the temperature control requirements that that might be uh, a part of the distribution. Well, that's where I was going. You know, as you know, Brad and I do a lot of work for the U.S. government. Uh, and I'm uh, and I'm involved in a lot of the logistics side of it. Uh, the first wave, in order to get millions of doses where they should be under strict temperature control, because these vaccines are extremely uh, high protein based vaccines, and the temperature fluctuation uh, is extremely important. Um, you know, as you know, I was on the board of Envirotana, uh, which was one of the first uh, companies to come out with temperature control units. Uh, you know, but, you know, but basically the first wave or so, um, I do not think can be handled by the commercial industry. And I think that the military will be actively involved in supporting that movement. So are you saying that maybe the, uh, uh, in addition to military aircraft, the conscription programs such as the Civil Reserve Air Fleet would be invoked to provide the lift necessary? Uh, right, uh, right, right. And as you know, IATA has a program, and I think there's only three carriers in the, the, the United States which are certified to carry uh, temperature-controlled um, uh, substances by IATA. That is UPS, Delta, and Amerijet. 
I see. So, Bill, I'm curious about something. You know, you, you, we've got the integrators, and I know you don't speak on behalf of the integrators, and you're not part of their their organizations. But you know, you, the 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 FedExes, the UPSs, the DHLs. So, you know, the integrated closed closed loop systems. They are so busy right now with e-commerce related traffic. Will they be able to put that aside, or do they have additional? Uh, capacity to handle this, or do you think it's going to be much bigger than that? Oh, I think it's going to be much bigger than that. And don't forget, these companies just can't uh, abandon all of their present customers. Right. Um, uh, uh, you know, so that's going to be uh, a significant, a, a significant thing. And in fact, as you know, right now. Uh, people are scrambling in order to find cargo airplanes, and they can't. Not only do we have to worry about flying the cargo, but obviously it's going to be, have to be held in facilities that are temperature controlled. And then, of course, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, the last mile. I mean, everything depends on the last mile to the, to the doorstep. Are we ready for that from an infrastructure standpoint? Yes. There, there are. I know of three plans which are out there. Um, and each plan, and each plan um, makes sense. Um, it, it is going to be. It, it, it is going to be probably one of the most advanced logistics challenges that we have seen in the past since World War II. So you're bullish on this. You think we can get it done efficiently and, and oh, meet the requirement? We can get it done. We can go to Mars and we can go to the moon. We could get it done. Okay, so let me ask you a question. We don't have a lot of time left here, but I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. When we get back to normal again and when the airlines start flying, um, and and tell me what that's going to look like. And, and specifically, um, there have been a lot of furloughs. There are probably going to be a lot of Cutbacks. If 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 Congress doesn't come through with the extra money, the airlines, the big airlines, are promising significant amounts of cutbacks. What is an airline going to look like? Well, then I think that you're going to see. I think that you're going to see a significant strategy change in the airlines. Uh, is the major airlines' uh, basic strategy than uh, than the marketing games which they gave was basically. They wanted to be the biggest and have the biggest market share. Um, so everything was basically driven on driven on growth plans. I think that you're going to see a change of strategy. I think that you're going to see airlines focusing on long-term profit much more. That is why airline stocks have never been um, shall I be kind and say the greatest investments in the world for long-term investments. Uh, but I think that you're going to see a change of all of that, and I think you're going to see a significant change change in the strategy. Even American Airlines came out last week and said, and said they're not going to be as dependent anymore on a business, you know, on basically on basically the businessman or businesswoman strategy. So it's going to be less of a growth strategy and more more on a bottom line strategy? Right, uh, right. Uh, I think that you're going to see, I think that you're going to see much slower growth. 
I think that you're going to see much more careful growth. Um, I think that you're going to see um, airlines focusing on yield. I think that you're going to see an increase in price. Um, that's all going to come about. So, so getting money in the door. Okay, before we before we let you go, because I know time is of the essence here. I'm really curious. What, what do you think about the role of the labor unions? Are they going to have as much of a role as they have had in the past? Labor unions in this country will always have a will always have a large role. Is the question is can management and the labor unions um, come to the same conclusion that the that the end game is to make sure that the airlines are as profitable as they can be and people are paid good wages and the growth is steady and you don't have mass furloughs every 10 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bill, I realize time is of the essence and we don't have a lot of it left, but before we uh, let you go there, we're going to have you back and, and we want to talk to you in a few months, hopefully when things get back to normal again. I'd love to hear your impression of what's going on, but you've recently written a book. Tell us about what's it called and how can we get it? Uh, it's called Tracks in the Sand. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's basically the military in the Iraq war was experiencing a 35% casualty rate on their logistics movement. So they asked me to put, to, to put together a team and a strategy and implement that strategy um, in, order to, uh, in order to reduce those casualty rates. Uh, we were extremely successful and we reduced the casualty rates to zero. Wow. That is that's amazing, and I'm sure we're going to want to read that. Especially if you're in the freight transportation business, I'm sure you're going to want to get a copy of that. Bill Bosch, not only a very accomplished industry veteran with many years of experience, and personally one of my go-to experts, but also to make if I could just admit. add one thing, sure, if I could just add one thing. Uh, all profits from that book will go to the wounded warrior. Wow. That's great. So all profits are going to the Wounded Warrior Foundation. That's quite a noble uh, endeavor. Well, you're also uh, becoming an American hero as well. But once again, Bill, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been an informative session. I'm Brandon Freed, the Executive Director of the Air Forwarders Association, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon.